Customer behavior influences the layout and the design of a store, but the design of a store in turn can influence how the customer behaves in that store. Pharmacies are quite unique environments because the main thing that you are giving to the customer that they can't get in a lot of other retail environments is trust. Hi, I'm Gary McCartney, Creative Director and Owner of McCartney Design, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. What does the retail store of the future look like? Are we returning to the norm anytime soon? Or is the new way here to stay? 2020 is certainly helping us reconsider how we interact with our physical environment. And for community pharmacy, this represents a huge challenge going forward. However, it is also a great time to identify innovative opportunities to enhance the physical store area and improve patient experiences and outcomes. Getting on the front foot now will ensure community pharmacies remain accessible and valuable destinations for patients when we do settle into the new norm. And today, we chat with Gary McCartney, owner and creative director of McCartney Design, on how physical store environments can go a long way in shaping positive patient outcomes. Gary, owner and creative director of McCartney Design, has over 20 years of experience in retail design across a variety of industries and internationally as well, including community pharmacy. Here's Gary. Gary, welcome to the podcast and thanks very much for being here today to talk about what is, it's a rapidly developing area that business owners really do need to consider, especially moving forward from 2020 and the year it's been so far. So firstly, to set us up, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and some of the involvement that you've had with the community pharmacy industry? What we do as a business, to put it in uh, in one sentence, we create experiences and environments for people. To give you a few examples, this week we're opening a new concept store for barbecues galore uh, up here at uh, Warringah Mall in Sydney. We've also opened this week uh, what they call a Kit Kat Chocolatory, uh, which is a flagship store for Nestle Kit Kat, uh, in which you can go and uh, either buy Kit Kat in hundreds of different flavors or you can sit there and you can be served a one and a half hour tasting menu um, of all things chocolate with Kit Kat at the, at the core of it. Um, on a more everyday level, we're creating environments for BP. We've created their new uh, convenience store, their forecourt store environments. And we've also done, um, and this is a national rollout uh, concept store, which is a combination of BP convenience and David Jones food. Uh, which is being rolled out to uh, select locations around the country. So as far as pharmacies go, yes, there there are environments to be created and experiences to give customers in, in a pharmacy um, context. So we've done a lot of work over the years for, we did um, a lot of work for Terry White Chemmart uh, when those two companies merged. So we helped them to implement their branding over their retail network. That was the last thing we did for them. In the process, we talked a lot about the layouts of the stores, of the customer journey within those stores, et cetera. And then going right back to probably literally the last century, we did a fair bit of work over in uh, New Zealand with a company called Life Pharmacy, 
who are one of the, because uh, they're a little bit different dynamic in New Zealand with pharmacy in that there are no department stores and uh, the main place to buy cosmetics and beauty goods is at a pharmacy. So a large proportion of that is uh, certainly the front, the front third of the store is beauty. And part of our remit in that was to somehow integrate that into the whole pharmacy experience so it all reads as, as one big offer. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I've been in the business for quite some time now, longer than I care to remember. So <laughs> I've got lots of different stories for uh, for each sort of era, um, reaching right up into, into the present. Excellent. Well, I think we'll jump into some of those as we go forward with the chat. Now, Gary, when we duck down to our local community pharmacy, most of us are probably not actively thinking about the specific store layout or the lighting or the, how big the aisles are or where the stock is positioned in terms of how we might move through that space. But these things can have an incredible influence, not just on the customer's experience, our own experience, but also our behavior as customers as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how the physical retail environment can actually shape a customer's experience? I think it's a two-way street, actually. Customer behavior influences the layout and the design of a store, but the design of a store in turn can influence how the customer behaves in that store. I mean, if you think uh, pharmacies are quite unique environments um, because uh, we've been thinking about this a lot. The main thing that you are giving to the customer that they can't get in a lot of other retail environments is trust. Um, We know that pharmacists are probably one of the most, it's in the top three most trusted professions in Australia. Um, and there's reasons for that because pharmacists, uh, unlike typical traditional retailers, they are scientists. Um, they've been to university, they have qualified in what they do, and they're very responsible in what they do. Um, it's a responsible profession, and uh, that engenders a lot of trust in your in your customers. Now, having gained that trust, um, it's what you do with that trust that is very important. Um, and that actually, you, to, 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 as a trusted profession, you have to make your customers feel that they are safe, first of all, in your environment. And I think that's even pre-COVID. You know, you go to a pharmacy to get medications principally that make you better or you go to improve the quality of your health. So, you know, you've got to trust the environment that you're in. And there's no... There's no one factor, I think, that makes a good pharmacy a good pharmacy. It's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. First of all, you've got the actual layout of the store. So if you stand back and, uh, and look at a plan of your shop, there's, a, there's almost a traditional pattern with pharmacies that you put the dispensary down at the back um, and everything that you walk past to get to the pharmacy. It's almost like putting the milk down at the back of the supermarket. Everybody goes there. Uh, it, it drives a traffic pattern, which means that you go past all the other merchandise, which effectively becomes impulse merchandise that you pick up either on the way in or the way out. Now, there's a, there's a, a little sort of nuance to that in that um, I used to have a, one of the first pharmacy clients I had. I used to draw like a plan. And for, this was in the old days when you actually drew a plan. Um, and uh, it, we'd be sitting across the table and i say, okay, Neil, here's this plan. And uh, I would present it to him as if from the point of view of a, a customer walking into the shop. And Neil would immediately turn around the, uh, the plan and say, okay, I understand this now because he's looking at it from his position behind the counter. 
Um, so that's his point of view. But it, it was actually quite hard to 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 get us thinking around to this is what the customer experiences. It's not about what you experience that's important. It's the customer that, that that experiences this. So that was that was a learning a learning curve for both of us actually. The other little nuance to that is that when you look at the way the goods in a pharmacy are arranged, the thing that the the, the, the not over the the over the counter stuff. It, it kind of goes from you've got pharmacy, which is dispensary. Um, then you've got things that are medications. So you've got things like colds and flu and allergies. You've got bums and tums. You've got all that stuff. And then it, it kind of goes out to the end. And at the very um, entry to the pharmacy, you've got things like cosmetics and beauty and, and things like that. And things that aren't even sort of health related. I mean, some people sell socks and things like that. Um, so you've got this almost hierarchy of goods in the store. So the the, the things that the client, the, the 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 pharmacist knows most about are closer to the pharmacist, and the things that they know least about or they engage less with are, are sort of up there at the um, up there at the at the entry. So there there are sort of ways to lay out a pharmacy, and I do think I do agree that the pharmacy should be at the back. There's very few. I mean, we experimented with a, a layout where the, the pharmacist was actually right in the centre of the store, um, and that didn't work. Um, we we just got as far as planning on that, but it it didn't work for all sorts of reasons, mainly because of access and security. It was a great idea having the pharmacist right at the center of the store, the, the, sort of at the heart of the store where they should belong. But it didn't work logistically. It didn't work for sort of uh, flow of medications into the pharmacy and a secure sort of area where customers would not go. So I'm not, that's not to say that couldn't work, but it just didn't work at the time when we, when we, when we tried it. Um, there's certain things you've got to get into a layout that make customers comfortable. They have to have enough space for a start. Um, very important these days that customers can have space to circulate. Um, a lot of customers, let's face it, in pharmacies are elderly. Um, uh, they may have a walking aid, they may even be in a wheelchair. So that kind of space is required. Then you could have uh, space for somebody to wait while they're waiting for the prescription. Uh, we can't expect everybody to go and sort of walk around and shop the rest of the pharmacy and then buy loads of stuff. So you've you've got to make it hospitable there. It has to be professional, obviously. There there needs to be an element of of hygiene and cleanliness. Finishes, I think, uh, if you were to put something like a carpet, some people do put a carpet into a pharmacy. There's a little invisible clue in there that tells the customer, mm, carpet, hard to keep that clean, isn't it? So most pharmacies will go with some kind of hard floor surface like a, a ceramic tile or even a vinyl. Um, that helps with lighting as well. Um, and I think with uh, there's different ways of lighting a store for different moods. Um, if you look at something like a uh, barbecues galore concept that we've just done, that is very carefully and atmospherically lit. Uh, a pharmacy is not the place for atmospheric lighting. Um, it uh, You need to see, um, first of all, you need task lighting for the pharmacists. They're professional people, people doing what they do. But you also need um, a, a, a really nice uniform level of lighting so that customers can actually see what they're purchasing. Um, things that you buy in pharmacies typically come in packaging with a lot of information on the packaging. So, and especially I mentioned the fact that you have elder, elderly people 
anybody over 50 typically wears reading glasses or they have compromised vision. You've got to make it as easy as possible for people to read all that small type on the back of the packaging. Um, I even talked about a while ago having a big sort of magnifiers in every gondola where people could sort of take the, the package over and, and use that to help them read the, pack, read the info on the packaging. Uh, so there's things like that. It's a combination of um, layout. I think layout's very, very important in a category like pharmacy. Your customer flow is really important. The spacing is really important. The materials you use are really important because you're trying to convey hygiene and health. And the lighting is really important. Um, combination of all those three. I haven't even gone into what the information and signage and things like that. Um, I think depending on the type of pharmacy you are, you do need good category signage. Somebody walks in, they want to find something for allergies, for example. They have to be able to find that very quickly and get to the right place pretty quickly. So, and that's just a, a functional, a functional thing. So that that's sort of a combination of the things that we think about when we're designing a, a, a any kind of retail environment. There's a lot in there, Gary. And as you mentioned, pharmacies, yeah, they are unique, not just from the all important trust front, but also community pharmacies come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and they all have their own challenges and opportunities in their own different retail environments. So with that being said, what are some of the the more traditional challenges that owners usually need to overcome when considering their physical retail environment for a community pharmacy? I think the one thing that comes to mind to start with is stock Community pharmacies tend to be on the smaller side. If you're looking at a small high street pharmacy or a pharmacy in a strip center or something like that, they tend to be on the smaller side. You know, they tend to, I mean, they'll go down to, you know, minus or under 200 square meters, uh, which is quite small for a pharmacy. If you're looking like a, at a Terry White or a chemist warehouse or something like that, there's sort of 400, 500 and, and more. Um, some of the bigger ones have got up to 900, 1,000. So, and they have a lot of stock in them and they're selling a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, if, you, if we look sort of overseas at Walgreens, for example, I lived in the US for eight years. At one stage, I was kind of shocked to discover that you could walk into Walgreens and buy beer in <laughs> <laughs> a pharmacy. So uh, I think when you get down to those smaller neighborhood pharmacies, the, the main thing, the main decision that the pharmacist stroke retailer has to make is what you're going to sell and very importantly, what you're not going to sell because you've got to actually make room for, for the stock that you need to uh, to 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 sell there, you've got your your sort of nucleus of the whole thing, which is the pharmacy counter. So th you've got to design efficiency into that. Um, so you've got to you've got to get all your um, your fast moving prescription items in a, in a location that is easy for the pharmacist to reach back. They've probably got their top twenty, top fifty things that they dispense. Uh, and then you've got to have the rest of it within really easy reach. Um, you've got the security problems, which uh, go from, they're a little bit different from state to state, but all the regulations about what kind of access you have to your back of house, where customers can and can't go, um, the, the uh, medications that you're allowed to sell without a prescription over the counter, et cetera, et cetera. So all that's going to be really carefully planned in. And then you've got the rest of the shop, that other sort of 75% or 60% of the shop that you've got to stock with merchandise that people want and, 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 and make it shoppable. So the compromise in a lot of uh, neighborhood pharmacies is 
that how do I get enough stock in here and still leave room for a meaningful journey for the customer? That, that's the balance. So following on from some of those traditional challenges, and you've had experience in New Zealand, Australia, and overseas, are we beginning to see now some innovative solutions emerge in response to those more traditional challenges? So every time I travel for holiday, I tend to look at what's going on in retail. It's you know, a bit of a busman's holiday for me sometimes. One of the things that comes to mind immediately is in Italy, a lot of the street frontage pharmacies there actually have a vending machine so they can sell 24 hours off the lease line. And it's one of those um, machines I talked about, say, the top 20 uh, dispensary drugs, but this is the top 20 sort of over-the-counter things that people sell. So you'll see in there literally 20 or 30 different um, items from hair shampoo to band-aids to aspirin to condoms and and that is all on sale in a vending machine you swipe a credit card in and you can buy that stuff 24 hours a day so that's that 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 is first of all sort of thinking outside the box in terms of opening hours but secondly saves a lot of space um and uh particularly and this came pre-covid but looking at post-covid isn't that a great thing where people don't even have to walk into the shop? They don't have to worry about actually walking in and exposing themselves to whoever or whatever's in the shop. So that, that was really good. Um, I, I'm saying things like, and this isn't a new thing either. This was in New Zealand you know, 20 years ago when I first started designing pharmacies is the, uh, the automated dispensing, you know, robot dispensary, um, where you can uh, you, know, you feed in the drug and a robot arm reaches down, pulls it out, puts it into what's quite often a fairly theatrical way of delivery down there. They used to have these sort of spiral, slippery dip things that your your medications came down in, which was pretty cool. Um, that, that obviously, there's a fair investment in that. And to do that, you've got to be pretty sure that your, you know, your, the amount of prescription medicine that you have warrants that. You know, it's all about scripts per day, scripts per hour. Um, but uh, that that's, yeah, I guess, in its development um, stages as well. So with community pharmacy, as we've mentioned a couple of times already, trust plays an important role in the interactions with the patients and the customers in that retail environment. So retail environments aren't necessarily just about what is convenient for the customer or the patient. I'm curious about any physical store environments or improvements or enhancements that you've you've been involved with that actually are focused on enabling greater connection to the professional staff in the community pharmacies. You gotta look again overseas at that. Walgreens, they've been over the years trying to sort of bring the pharmacist out from behind the counter and, and sort of bringing them out and into a more social environment with the customer. I think the only problem with that is that because a lot of pharmacists are scientists, that's the way they've been educated and, and brought up. It's not in their nature to be that social. They're very good at what they do. Um, but if you're looking for somebody to go out there and be a salesperson, that's kind of a waste of their talents in a way. Uh, they're, they're, they're better off and they have more benefit to their customers sort of working behind the counter and making sure they get the right medication, the right advice and all that sort of thing. When you get out to, I mentioned before, that sort of hierarchy of, um, of goods in a pharmacy that sort of goes from the, the, the stuff that the pharmacist's comfortable with right down at the back to the stuff that they're not so comfortable with, the, like the cosmetics up at the front. 
um, there, there is another method of running a professional environment like that that's being done by spec savers. Um, and uh, I mean, this is franchised pretty much all over the world where it's a partnership. So you've got the optometrist who does their thing in the back of the, uh, in the, back of the store, very professional, great professional environment. But also you've got someone who's equally ch in charge of the front of the store and they're there to receive the customer, to be that sort of maitre d' of the environment, to show the customer you know, the, their frames and what they have on offer. So you've got that really nice synergy between somebody who's a professional person and do what they do really well and somebody who's a salesperson and they do what they do really well and, and it meshes together fantastically. So I, I think there's that opportunity for for pharmacies to sort of more knowingly work like that. And I think that would really boost the retail offer. The COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge impact on our lives and it's certainly had its fair share of discussion on the podcast so far. Anyone who's stepped foot into a community pharmacy environment within the last few months will have experienced the differences that are now in place in pretty much every store what are you seeing as some of the significant ways in which physical stores and in particular community pharmacies have had to sort of pivot and adapt to accommodate social distancing measures and ensure that ultimately their patients remain safe while still being able to access those professional services and medicines and advice? And it's particularly sensitive in pharmacy because you're a high proportion of people who go into a pharmacy aren't well to start with, whatever they've got, you know, and, and no matter how contagious it is. And I mentioned before, just giving people enough space. Um, I mean, physically making the door wider. I mean, it's simple stuff like that. Uh, and that's easy when you get in a shopping mall situation where you already have a wide entry, but not so easy on a high street, potentially where you've just got a double door and people might have to potentially, you know, brush past each other. And that's what you're trying to prevent, really, I think, is that sort of brush past thing. And I know a lot of people are, are trying to respond to that by having one-way flows around stores and things like that. Um, I'm not sure that putting arrows on a floor really makes people behave in a different way. Um, if they're used to having their own ant trail, they'll just, they'll not ignore them. They just won't see them. It's, it's not on the radar. We've just, we, interesting case, actually, we, um, designed an environment for ResMed who supply um, sleep apnea equipment um, and they you know a lot of their equipment is actually in pharmacies um, but we've done a flagship store for them um, near their headquarters up here in Bella Vista and we went back and it was a great opportunity because the construction was delayed due to COVID so it gave us time uh, to take a client brief to say okay how can we make this you know, a better, healthier and safer environment? And we, we looked at it and we said, look, it's just obvious stuff. Um, restricting the amount of people who go in, um, having that hand sanitizer station at the front, um, making it easy for people to distance from the people that they're dealing with there. And, and, and at ResMed, we are dealing with high-risk people. Um, but the opportunity that we saw is to design all that in and make it look like it should be there, like it, it's part of the, the offer of the shop, uh, it's part of the brand. And we took our clues from uh, the luxury stores who are reopening in Paris, like the Louis Vuittons and the Pradas and things like that. And, you know, they will set up exactly the same thing. They have a queue system, they have a, 
hand sanitizing station. A lot of them have somewhere where they'll take your temperature. Um, and it's generally that sort of limiting the amount of people in the store and giving them the space that they can consciously distance themselves from you know other people in the store. But they do it in a very branded way and they've turned it around and made it look like this isn't something that you have to do because of the government or whatever. This is something that we're doing for you to keep you safe in a, in a very branded way. So it, it's almost like, uh, and, and you look at people like Loxitem, who have always had that massive sort of big hand-washing facility. Um, and really that's there to get people involved and literally get their hands in the sink. And once you've, once you've got their hands in the sink, you, you've made the sale sort of thing. But if we turn that around and look at a health offering um, and a courtesy and put that right at the start of the store and, and make it make it beautiful, then you know people respond to that saying, hey, this is cool, this is great, you know, I love this, rather than, oh, my God, I've got to sanitize my hands here. Gary, community pharmacy is a it's a dynamic environment. It is certainly set to transform over the next five years across a lot of areas, to be honest. We've discussed some of those emerging areas on the podcast before with other guests, such as electronic prescriptions and digital enablement of the pharmacy environment. Feels like a leading question, but is it time for pharmacy owners to start thinking about how they integrate their physical retail environment with the emerging digital world, because that's progressing irrespective of the retail environment. I'm going to throw out a bit of a challenge there and say, well, why hasn't it already happened? I mean, we're not talking about an emerging digital world. It's been around for 20 years. Uh, and I think it, it's not just contained to the pharmacy. That spreads back out to GPs um, and, and medical professions. Um, and, uh, you know, from, from recent conversations, I'm actually horrified at the at the level of technology that GPs employ, um, you know, you're still sending faxes to each other. I mean, who does that anymore? <laughs> um, you know, we're in this. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm just amazed that this doesn't exist already where you can, um, instead of having to go to a doctor and renew your prescription and physically pick up that paper prescription and take it to your pharmacist and give it to your pharmacist and they give you what you need, why does that not all happen online? Why don't I have an app on my phone? And I do have an app on my phone that reminds me when my prescription is going to be. Uh, I use MedAdvisor. It went, reminds me when my prescription needs a renewal, but I still have to go to the doctor and pick it up. Um, you know, and, and I don't think it's even possible for them to fax anything to uh, the, the, the pharmacist. And I still have to go to the pharmacist and pick up the prescription. So... To me, that's not how retail should be operating, and it actually doesn't operate like that anymore. And outside of um, you know the medical and pharmacy field, so it just needs to catch up. It's not a question of getting ahead; it's it's, it's catching up. So, Gary, are there any other examples of cool or innovative retail environments that you haven't shared in those great answers so far that you think the listeners would find interesting to hear, and you want to share now? I always think it's really useful when you're in a category of retail and, and you're looking to innovate to actually look outside your own category. And that's how we work a lot. Rather than go and benchmark, if, if you ask, if you ask us to design the pharmacy of the future, we'd look at pharmacies, but not much. We'd look at um, things like the Apple store and um, the, the way other great retailers do things, Super Cheap Auto, for example. We've just done a whole... Um, digitally enabled store for, for super cheap auto in Penrith. 
um, and the, the the middle of which it's a it's a big store. It's seventeen hundred square meters, and and the whole centre of it is just taken up with experience. Um, we've got big screens there. We've got somewhere you can drive a car in and jack it up and show people how to change the oil and put racing stripes on it and reclad it and things like that. And even when you get down into the nitty-gritty detail, it's still super cheap auto. They still need to carry a lot of stock there. And it operates not unlike a pharmacy where they've got a, um, a parts department right at the back, which is obviously the, the milk and bread. Uh, people tend to gravitate towards that. And you go into an environment that's not unlike a dispensary because you're trying to find the right part for your car. You've got somebody at a counter there who helps you. But the whole thing is digitally enabled. And even when you're buying, for example, something to wash your car, you can take that container, and this is not unlike the health and beauty department in a, in a pharmacy, you can take that bottle of car wash and you can scan it under a scanner and that will come up on a screen and tell you everything that you need to know about that product or indeed if it's suitable for your car or, or whatever. Um, so there's little things like that that kind of guide you right around there. We've got the gondola ends all activated. Um, uh, and they have a little sound cloud coming down over each one that triggers a, a video presentation. So again, if you're in um, if you're in the market to change the oil in your car, you'll stand there. You'll see um, a um, you'll see three items that you need on the gondola end. You'll see a little video presentation on there that tells you how to do it. And uh, you'll be in a, a sound, clear sound shower that comes down uh, for about a square meter where you're standing, and you get the soundtrack from that as well, which works fantastically well. Um, but and again, you know, you think of somebody like Super Cheap Auto, you think, oh, that's a car parts store. That's not a very interesting opportunity for a, a fantastically interactive retail environment. But if you put your mind to it and you take those lessons that we've learned from looking at something like Super Cheap, and say, okay. What can we do now to make a pharmacy just as exciting and as a wonderful place to visit and somewhere that's a destination where you want to go to not just get something to make you better because you're sick, but something to enhance your overall health and your enjoyment of life? That would be a fantastic move. Gary McCartney, owner and creative director of McCartney Design, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing those amazing insights and examples and expertise and advice around how pharmacies can reimagine their retail environment. That's my pleasure. Gary is certainly a leading authority on retail design, and I hope you got a lot out of that chat. He definitely raised some excellent points to consider as we move forward in response to 2020's impact on the physical retail environment. While it's clear the community pharmacy industry is set to transform over the next five years, there are opportunities for business owners to really elevate their customers' experiences when they pop on down to their local community pharmacy. And for more information, visit mccartneydesign.com.au. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-N-E-Y design.com.au. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 51 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.